Welcome to the podcast of Revival Fires. As we pursue Jesus, our vision is to build a community of believers who are present-centered, people-focused, and community-oriented. This message is taken from our Blueprint series, a journey through the book of Acts. We really believe that you will encounter Jesus through this teaching today. Jump in, Acts 8, verse 8. That's a really short verse, you say. I know. We love the uh, spoken word of God. This is a really short verse. You might even be able to memorize it by the end of the meeting. So there was much joy in the city. I want to land, I want to begin here and show you the journey of joy for the city. I know Dudley didn't get city status this year, maybe another time. But what we're going to be talking about is how God has planned for great joy in your life as you go about your work in the city, your community, wherever God has placed you. I'm just going to back up a bit in um, Acts 8 verse 4. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Let me tell you something about scattering. It happens as soon as you leave the door on a Sunday. And you get the beautiful, glorious opportunity to preach the word wherever and however your steps take you. And we just learned here about Philip who went down into the city of Samaria proclaiming to them the Christ and the crowds with one accord, paid attention to what was being said. So you've been scattered on a Sunday, and now crowds are gathering. How are they gathering around you? Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's people in traffic jams. Wherever you are in the crowd, maybe you're at Merry Hill. You know enough about me. You'll find me there. People started texting me. Are you here today, Anna? I don't go that often. Um, The crowds with one accord paid attention to what is being said by Philip when they heard him and they saw the signs he did for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice. They came out of many who had them. Many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. Do you need Jesus to do a healing miracle in your life? Do you need Jesus to do a healing miracle in the lives of those around you? He's in the, (laughs) I was going to say business, but Jesus isn't like that. He's in the way of doing miracles in your life and those around you. And right after all this had happened, the scattering, the preaching, the one accord, the the proclamation, there was much joy in the city. So to build a city, build a church that's on God's heart, we've been tracking the chapters through Acts. Conveniently, there's around 30, which conveniently, there's about one for each day. Have you been diving into regular chapters and reading of the book of Acts? We ask you to continue to do that through this summer so that together, with one voice, with one accord, we can be on the page that God has for us this summer. We're looking through at the personal breakthroughs that God has. I'm going to track back a few verses. I'll jump in in Acts 2 and Acts 4. But I really want you to be listening today to what Holy Spirit is going to do in your life. Before we prayed for this meeting, there was um, some of our leaders were saying that there are great breakthroughs today. And that's why I had you continue to stand. There are great breakthroughs that the Lord is doing in our midst. And there's no one who'll celebrate greater than all of us as we together step in to where God has for you 
today. You know, when I came to this, um, I want to say sermon, when I came to prepare it, there was a word that stands out in Acts 2.42. I'm just going to read you a little bit around this. And the reason I started with much joy in the city, and now I'm going to take you into how joy is created in a city. And that looks like how you partner with God for joy. Jumping back into Acts 2.42, it says, I think we've heard this read several times, so you'll know these phrases. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. When I was looking into this phrase, there's this beautiful Greek word called koinonia. And I'd been asking the Lord for weeks, hadn't I, Ryan? I was like, what picture can I show you all about how to explain koinonia, being fellowship, being all together as one? And Holy Spirit said to me this morning, so guys, I was thinking, do we have a fancy graphic with the word koinonia? Do I draw something? How can I tell you what this means and even just in worship, he's so kind. He's not too late or, or ahead. Holy Spirit said, just look out this morning. Go on, you can. Take a look at the people near you, next to you. We're all here in fellowship and we're all individual parts of the body of Christ, making up one fellowship of believers. Now, if God had told me that a couple of weeks ago, I wouldn't have had to try and find all these fancy other things I was trying to describe anyway. God is not out of time, and he keeps us in track with him. So looking around at the, the individuals in this room, yet knowing that together as one corporate body of believers, that is koinonia. Or even better, to one another, one another. So that means when one's feeling... <laughs> Some of the trials and tribulations you've told us this week about, or you've told your life group leaders, we all can stand together so that not one is lacking. When another is celebrating and enjoy, I don't know if Demo and Susie are here, as they, uh, sorry, Demo and Susie, as they celebrate their first class honors for their daughter, we stand together in joy. Do you understand the notion of koinonia? It's not to do with um, anything else. It's to do with his presence glorified through the fellowship of believers. There's a few points I want to bring out throughout this morning as uh, you take time for the Holy Spirit to do what he's going to do in your lives, as he's going to perfect unity in us as a body, as we're going to learn what, how God has desire and design to bring out joy within our lives so that we too can share in one another's joy and we can find out the very testimony that God has for us, our story as one, um, one body. You know, when I told you to look around at one another, you may or may not know who is sitting in this room. And one of the great joys in leading is that we know some of your stories. And as you've come to church, maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time, maybe for the thousandth time, can we do that? 
1,000 times 52, probably. Um, however many times you sat in this room, how, if, if you're new or if you're here for the long haul, I want to tell you that you enter the story of Revival Fires, the church, and the pursuit of the presence of Jesus right here today. But not only do we enter it as one church here based in Dudley, we enter the story of the Lord Jesus Christ who, re who gave his whole life for you. He gave his life as a redemption, which means whatever has happened up to now, you can turn to Jesus and he can set you free, that you can know the total forgiveness of sin and you can know your heart, your mind, your soul transformed by the glory of God. What did we learn last week? Uh, transformed from one degree of glory to the next, that we have God on display in our lives. So whatever point you're joining us today, we want you to know you're so welcome here and that God has a beautiful future for you as together we pursue the presence of Jesus. So how do we do that? How did they do that in Acts 2.42? I've already read it to you and I've told you some things from it. But what I, I noticed the most is they devoted themselves to the teaching of the word. Right here, right now, you're devoting yourself to the teaching of the word. You devote yourselves to fellowship. Maybe that's in life groups or open houses, as Hannah's told us. Anyone fancy going to an open house? Is there some of you out there? You're so welcome to join them. Some people have said, why? What does that look like? And Hannah's explained that to you. Find yourself in the community, in fellowship with one another. What did I say koinonia was? To one another, one another. It means, and it was really difficult to use this phrase over the last two years, but I can use it today. It means literally to take your mask off, to let yourself be known to another, to share the joys and the trials. And then it says, so they devoted themselves to the teaching, the fellowship, communion, and to prayers. And it wasn't only once a week. They were gathering day after day, day after day. And it's that every day living a life of devotion, one that's fully yielded to the Lord. Even... Um, so we, each of us will have our own devotion time. Uh, some of you will call it all kinds of things, your secret place time, whatever you're calling it, your time with the Lord. And we encourage you to continue that devotion time with the Lord. Why? Because that's when God can do those things that only God can do in our lives. That's when we come before him. No, no moving on to the next thing. We come before him and we say, we surrender to you, Lord Jesus. We surrender to your lordship. We surrender to a life of devotion where the things, the niggles, the, the disappointments can be brought before the Lord so that he can flow fully through us, not leading to any places of blockage, but that we truly can be devoted to the teaching of the word, to fellowship, to letting the Holy Spirit dwell fully in our life. So that what can come out is God on display. We were talking this week in our life group about being a witness. It had come out of um, some people were telling us how they had overcome situations. And how after they'd overcome, people told them they'd been watching them. 
someone was sharing about uh, some things that they'd gone through. And it was only afterwards a co-worker said, I watched you and I wondered if you'd crumble. But I saw that you never wavered. God truly was with you like you said he was. And they said, what, went, what you went through, lots of people could have well, had of all kinds of other expectations. Even them saying, I thought you'd have crumbled. But what happened was their faith in God, their fellowship with others, meant that they were strong and steadfast in the love of God. Friend, whatever situation you're going through today, you're not going to crumble. What was it we were singing? The Lord will not fail you. He will not give up on you. Let him be the anchor to your soul as together we're devoted to one another in the Lord. Oh, my daughter said this week she did some work experience and um, she was in, I think it was a year one class. And I said, oh, how did it go? She was like, it was fine. There was just one little boy. I said, oh, what did he do? She said, as soon as I walked into the room, he went like this. I've got my eyes on you. And she said it was a little bit strange. I said, would you know? She went, but I know what's happened. I think everyone who's walked into his life has said, I've got my eyes on you. And isn't it that way? We are being watched by how we are, how we act, how we are witnesses. And this leads us to how we build together. I'm not saying that right now in this room we're perfect. We bring ourselves as we are, because that's all we can do. That is the glorious work of the cross. That is the glorious salvation of Jesus. Just as we are, we come. We're justified through faith. We can't do it by making ourselves any better. As soon as we start doing that, we've messed up on the meaning of the cross. We've started adding or taking away from its great power. But here we are as precious stones being built together. That's in 1 Peter 2.5. And it talks about the living stone as together as a body of believers. We come to him living stones Rejected by men, but chosen and precious in the sight of God. You also are like living stones being built into a spiritual house to be made holy. A holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it says in scripture, see, I lay in Zion a stone, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And to the one who believes in him shall never be put to shame. So I sit here, stand here while you're sitting, looking at precious, chosen, living stones together, one another, to one another, one another, building together in Christ, the body here in Dudley, that God has chosen to make his glory radiate through. What a joy. What an honor. As we sit together, as you've already looked around at one another, we begin to live our lives fully devoted to him, which also looks like us growing together, building a community that is on God's heart. So in him, the whole building, all of these precious stones join together and rise to become a temple that is holy and of worth to the Lord. 
You know, in Acts, that's exactly what was happening. Where the fellowship of believers had gathered, they then were filled with the Holy Spirit. And haven't you had time over the weeks and months, had opportunity to come forward and to be filled with the Holy Spirit? We've seen people who've spoken in tongues for the first time. We've seen arms be able to re-raise that had previously been frozen. We've seen God move in signs and wonders. And do you know what? We've said, this is just the beginning. Do you believe it? Do you have faith to see the impossible? I see some nods. Do you believe it? Do you have faith to see the impossible, to see that God will do what he promised? So as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the entire community, the body of believers has the opportunity for oneness. And when I talk about this, it doesn't mean that I'll start looking like you or you'll start looking like me. We're all absolutely individual, created as God has designed. So within ourselves, then there's the body as well. And I want you to know that it's not about us blurring and becoming as one without any borders, but within ourselves, the great work that God is doing within us all. Does that make sense? Have I said that right? So as we, the entire community of believers is filled, uh, we are, the, any selfishness that we've got melts away. We're not working in isolation. We're not building our own thing here and there. It's not a me first mentality, but it's one another to one another. And you know there's this intense reality of Christ where it's less about me and it's all about what he's doing. So together we can see the great joy in the city. As we overthrow the opposing powers, and I don't know about you, but there's been some opposing powers, hasn't there? There's been some spiritual pushback where we've been able to see the breakthrough of Jesus. We've been able to see the glorious reign of the Lord as together we've prayed, we've fasted, we've anointed with oil, and we've begun to see what the possibility of with God can look like. And you know, in Acts it was called a glorious commotion, a disturbance. The city was shaken. And to me, as we, as we go together, as we grow together, there's that opportunity for joy in the city. As we look to, uh, I began to say about some of the spiritual powers and the, the spiritual things, as we grow together, as together we experience joy in the city, we live a life of devotion and we can discover the spiritual realm. We're not as passive recipients, but we're aware, we're active, and we're able to stand. There's been a real journey, I believe, in the church where we've come from a place of, um, in, sorry, into a place of spiritual maturity, where we've come from um, an immaturity into a maturity, which means there's a deeper and next level of spiritual authority. If you jump in with me at Ephesians 6, 10, it talks about the full armor of God. And 
I did. I said to the Lord, oh, but we know this from Sunday school. And he said, well, if you're only leaving it in Sunday school and you're only putting your belt of truth, your helmet of salvation on at Sunday school, these are the very weapons of our warfare. Have you got a little Sunday school song going up through your heads there? You remember these things, don't you? But I'm going to read to you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and have strength in his might. Put on the whole armor of God. I'm just going to tell you this one thing. It's okay if you want to put the whole armor of God on every single day. That's absolutely fine. But I don't see us taking it off at the end of the day. So just leaving that there. Um, So you put on the whole armor of God, which you can do every single day, but don't be taking it off, um, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand, stand strong in the evil day, having done all you can to stand firm. Stand therefore, fasten the belt of truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, shoes on your feet, having the readiness for the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take the shield of faith from which you can extinguish all flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer, with all supplication, and keep alert. Open your mouth boldly and proclaim the mystery of the gospel. When I began that, I said to you, we're to be aware, we're to be active, and to stand. As we go through these truths, our spiritual maturity changes from one degree to the next. It's as though we grow stronger together. It talked there about those shields, those shields of faith. And I add to that, those shields are ones that we can have around one another's backs, which means that we watch what we say. There's so much that can come out of our mouth. I know James talks about it as being a Um, like rudderless, our tongue being rudderless so that it's without direction. And I encourage you to watch what you'll say because we can water the seeds that are growing of goodness in our lives and the lives of others. Or we could be watering the weeds that we're putting out with our, not even thinking about the things that we could say about ourselves or about others. So being spiritually mature is about having a guard over your mouth and a guard over your senses. It's also about being a people who know how to boldly proclaim what God is doing, withstanding whatever comes your way. And I know I joked about put it on every day if you want to, but there is an element of us not taking off any of these um, pieces of the armor It actually strengthens us. To pray in every way possible is a strengthening to you yourself and to the body of believers. So we're a people who see God. We're a people who hear God. And we're a people who pray. And you know, that means to see prophetically, to hear prophetically, and to pray prophetically. 
I know there's a course that we do here at Revival Fires called GPS, Global Prophetic School. And that teaches you how to hear God's voice and how to prophesy into the now situations that God has. And if you're looking for that, that's coming up in not too many months. But I encourage you to listen to what God is saying so that you can pray out what he is revealing to you. As we grow in our spiritual maturity, as we continue to discover the realm of the Spirit of God, we have the opportunity to pull things down from what God has promised in the spirit realm into our world now. Let me explain this using Jacob's ladder. I think it's in Genesis 28. It's the ascending and descending. Um, When Jacob had this vision... He saw angels ascending and descending. Recently, I was asking God about how and what he ha- his heart is for the earth. And he said, heaven is my throne, the ascending. Earth is my footstool. Who's still got a footstool in their home? Has anyone got one? There's a few of us. There's only a few of us with footstools. What do we do with our footstool? We rest upon the footstool. You know, when I saw this, it's just another chapter. There's a repetition of it. It's in Isaiah, and it's repeated um, here in Acts. uh, Sorry, Isaiah 66 and Acts 7. It says, heaven is my home. Earth is my footstool. So where is it that Jesus is resting? He's resting his feet upon the footstool, which is earth. I'm going to go over this point a little, because I want you to know that this footstool um, further on in Hebrews it talks about the Lord will make um, your enemies his footstool so if we're seeing footstool as a place of rest whatever chaos and confusion disruption is going on we too can be like that vision of the um, ascending and descending ladder so whatever we need the Lord to do a miracle that he's promised and ordained in heavenly places we can pull that down into the earth realm so there can be ripples of glorious rest in your life. This resonates with me. He rests upon the enemy. What enemies have been camping around you? Maybe they've been enemies in your thought life. Maybe they've been enemies in your jobs. Maybe they've been enemies in your house or your home, relationships or thought life or your emotions. We can Pull down those things that God has promised to live a life with a sound mind into the place we live, earth, and bring his great rest and restoration into the life we live. So spiritual authority doesn't have to be about being spiritually busy. <laughs> it doesn't have to do with any busyness, but it does to have, has, sorry, have everything to do with that great rest that the Lord has for us. So to possess the land, we love where God has placed us. Sometimes people say, oh, I hate where I live. I don't like this or I don't like that. Or you know how it gets sometimes and you can say, oh, but have you seen this? Or have you seen this? And actually, today, I believe, is a day where we can discover the spirit realm for us, which looks like loving where God has placed us expanded to love and that then we can have strategy and warfare a gift of overcoming together 
so that we can see great breakthrough for situations to turn around as we go and see that ascending, descending ladder, pulling down things from heaven with eyes of faith, believing for things, even though they're not on this earth, we can believe that God will do what he's promised he will do. And it will become a resting place here on earth. And I want to encourage you, friends, over your conversations, you are overcomers. What is it? You could even think now, what one thing has God, in, um, what word do I want to use? Equipped you to be an overcomer in. You are the one who can enable another person to also have that breakthrough. And that is the beautiful thing, whether or not I say fellowship or cornonia, where together we can encourage one another into the things of God as we experience God's heartbeat for the church community here. And so maybe you're thinking, am I spiritually mature? Am I not? Let me tell you a few things about what that looks like. Some, some um, traits of those who've got spiritual maturity are being teachable, preferring another, waiting patiently, committing and seeing a plan or a vision fulfilled, having humility of spirit, not being ruled by emotions and expressing great gratitude. See, you've noticed some of those fruits in your life, haven't you? So we've looked at having a life devoted to God. We've looked at discovering the spiritual realm. Now I just want to bring out to you these things about activating the spirit of discernment for yourself and for the many. You know, in Acts 4.32, it says they had everything in common. Now the full number of those who believed was, were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of the things belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles who were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them. And there was not a needy person among them, for as many were of were owners of lands or houses, they sold them all and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. You know, as each had had any need that nobody lacked and they had all things in common. I just want to tell you, this wasn't like a, a communist um, community. It was very much a community on God's heart. When we look back at the early church, we look back through the lens of culture and we can see that instead of being possessors or owners of possessions, the, um, the disciples were not owning them only for themselves. They were stewarding the gift for one another. And that meant that when the Greek authorities were coming, they were coming to seize possessions, but it was impossible to seize possessions if they were owned by everybody. Does that make sense to you? So no one lacked because everything belonged to everybody. There was not a possessor of 
items, but there was a steward of items, possessions. The only way I can describe this is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He stewarded his life. He gave up the rights to possess his whatever he needed. He gave his life fully and wholly to the Father and said, if it is your will, let it be done. So too, we say that when we lay down our lives and we surrender our life and we give it entirely to the Lord Jesus Christ so that he can steward everything that he has planned right from the beginning of time to flow through your life. Now, when we're stewards of the Holy Spirit, that means that we have gifts. And I really want to encourage you about the gifts that you have, your spiritual gifts that may be left unwrapped. Have any of you still got your Christmas trees up? No. Any of you still got any gifts unopened in your home for you? No. I really felt that there's an unwrapping of spiritual gifts today that is going to bless you, the one, and all of us as the many. Jump in with me at 1 Corinthians 12, and it talks about many kinds of gifts. There are nine gifts of the Spirit at work, given, distributed, as the Lord himself determines. So it's not a place where we're saying, I wish I had your gift of whatever you think is a more admirable gift. It's, there's no place for that. But instead, the gifts of the Spirit are at work, co-participating. The Holy Spirit is the one who distributes these. So this shows koinonia to one another, one another, working beautifully and in order. And I'm going to read these nine gifts to you. And I want you to be asking, Holy Spirit, what gift that he's given you is still wrapped in your life that today can be unwrapped as you bring this to him. So it says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of gifts of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one of the manifestation of spirit is given for the common good Common good, you see this? Common good, koinonia, you see how we're pulling the threads here? To the one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Who's wise here? To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, the gift of faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gift of healing. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And I really felt the Lord saying this to you this morning. Don't leave your gift unwrapped. Don't leave it to somebody else. What God or what word stood out there that God has ordained for you as a gift of the Spirit, don't leave it to somebody else. As a body here together, there are gifts. As you host your gift, you co-participate in the great joy in the city. 
You'll also have heard of the fruits of the Spirit, and you could name those with me now. But when we're living in the fullness of the Spirit of God, we're like an orchard. Orchards have more than one tree. Do you see where I'm going with this? Together, we're bearing the fruits of the Spirit of God. We're demonstrating the grace gifts. We're demonstrating the gifts of the Spirit. And we are growing and affecting the lives of those around you. We were hearing the other night about how God is moving in uh, people's lives. And they don't just live in Dudley. They were telling us about Alpha. And they were saying how that people are coming and experiencing God in their lives. Meeting him for the first time and being filled with the Spirit. We were hearing about a school anthem where hundreds of kids are singing a song about shine. And letting God shine through their lives. We were hearing about our um, chaplain in general practice who were associated with the doctor's surgery, who were holding um, the, the hand of love to encourage one another how people's lives can be built back together and offered hope again. We've been hearing so many stories of how God is on the move. You can tell that brings me such great joy. And I want you to know that you can participate in the joy of the Lord, that you can unwrap that gift that God has for you. Or maybe you've thought you've got one of the lesser gifts. Let's just go there for a minute. Does it have, um, this is a great gift to have, or this is a, a not as good gift to have in what I read to you? No. So whatever gift you've been given is yours to activate. And I really encourage you to use what God has given. Remember, there's a promise to the measure you've been given, you, you can also pour out or you'll be given more. Do you want to activate those faith gifts in your life that God has for you? That is how we can live a devoted life. We can discover the spiritual realms and we can dis, um, have a spirit of discernment for the one and for the many. You know, together as we build fruitful lives, well, God's doing the building, but together we look like an orchard when we live this way, not consumed by our own thoughts and our own feelings of ourselves. Instead, we have spiritual discernment, spiritual authority, spiritual maturity to allow the Spirit of God to live, to move, to work within us. So yes, when difficult or um, situations where you need to see a triumph in, where you need to see the victorious hand of God at work. Maybe like you, as you've been reading through Acts, you've, uh, like me, you've been seeing some stories. Some, it's not for the faint-hearted, is it? These snake bites and shipwrecks and floating for days on end on a tiny piece of wood that came off a massive ship, or, or you've been uh, tossed to and fro throw over at um, Fairhaven and waiting for when you can drop your anchor point. Maybe you metaphorically have felt hard pressed on every side and then you found that safe place and you found the rest and the release of God as he, the only one who can anchor us to the Lord. The Holy Spirit has brought strength. He's brought that helmet of salvation to you. And he's kept you from harm. So keep reading the book of Acts, friends. Keep reading about the trials, the tribulations, about how they devoted themselves to the fellowship 
we got a rig. <laughs> How we can keep ourselves anchored to the Lord Jesus Christ, even when we're hard pressed on every side. You can find the anchor of your soul is the Lord Jesus Christ. And together we can see God over all, building a community of believers who know what it is to have great joy in this city. The last part about this is living a dynamic life. Ryan shared a few weeks ago about living a life with dunamis and exousia, to have the infilling of Holy Spirit and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. We've already read from Acts 4, where they had everything in common, where they had one heart and mind. There was a great grace of the Spirit of God over all of them. That great love was the inward power of the Holy Spirit, directing them, influencing them with words and with works. And I believe we're at that space right now in history where we too can be so filled with the Holy Spirit, not just leaving it to the pages of Scripture, but Holy Spirit abides in us, dwells with us, empowers us, is alive and working in our lives. And I really want to encourage you that you have the opportunity to live a dynamic life every single day. So those of you who feel like, oh, but I'm the one who's in need, find someone here who's got a testimony. And we said, testimony is uh, such a church word, but I love church words. You'll find me here really often. Um, who finds someone who's an overcomer. Find someone who's battled something you're battling right now so that you can have the overflow of their story in God here it says they, there was a transforming process. They loved one another. They cared for one another. And there was the evidence of God's great grace in their words, their actions, and their giving. This looks like how you serve one another. And this is a big thank you to those who serve by praying for one another, by serving in bookshop, by serving in coffee shop, for the wonderful ones who serve behind those doors for our kids' teams week in and week out. Whichever way you're building the community on God's heart, right within here on a Sunday and throughout the week as you minister to those that God's entrusted to us, we get the joy in serving other people's testimonies and seeing what God is doing. So we've already talked about living our lives as an orchard, being filled with the Holy Spirit, where we're awake and alive, living in the Spirit of God, where we reveal the glory of God. Representing God looks like a love that covers all. Maybe you've come in this morning and you've said, God, I feel so far from you. And then when Tom brought that word about, do you really believe he's done it for you? It was an emotional moment where I want to encourage you that God has done what he said he would. We saw the other day, um, I was out with one of my children and, um, oh, we were in a, sh in a shop actually. And there was some crosses, just plain, plain crosses, like the one behind me. And there was one that was a crucifix. And one of my girls said to me, oh, mom, is that okay? And I said, yes, that's, uh, 
I thought, I hope the person didn't overhear me as I walked out. I said, for the person who needs Jesus to be on the cross, it is absolutely fine. And she said, but God's alive. Jesus is alive. I said, I know. For us, our hope, our faith is that Jesus died and rose again. For the season that you're in, maybe you've needed to know the death, but I want to encourage you, just like the church of God knew back in the book of Acts, just like you need to know today, living a dynamic life is living in the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ, where your sins are truly forgiven, where the things that you've done wrong to yourself or to another, that you can stand before the Lord even today, and you can say, Lord, I repent, which means to turn. I turn my back on the things that I've been doing and I accept I can't do it myself. I need you, Jesus. That kind of prayer sets you free from everything that was on the other side of the cross and brings you into a full life, a dynamic life, living the full expression, the full God colors of the life that he has ordained to you. When we were looking at... um, the one heart and the one soul of the multitude. I just really want to pull that out for a moment before we go into a ministry time. This church had about 5,000 in it. Look around. Are we about 100 and something? I don't know who's done the count today. There's 100 and something of us in this room. Do we have one heart and one mind? Well, we all love the Lord Jesus Christ. That's for starters. We all know what it is to worship him with one voice. And so that's a challenge to us all as we have that one heart and mind, one heart and soul as a body of believers. And that is the joy of Kononia, the joy of fellowship, the joy of togetherness, of co-participating in what God has for us. You know, I started in Acts 2 and then I added on from, sorry, I started in Acts 8 about joy in the city about being gathered to scatter. I then went to Acts 2, and I took you through the journey of everyone um, participating in what God had without lack. We've just looked at Acts 4. We've looked at the gifts of the Spirit, and we've looked at the fruits of the Spirit. Can you see what I've done? Is created an overlap. Things that overlap in scripture so that you can live in the overlap of God's glorious grace, God's glorious truth, God's glorious freedom. And we can continue to do that together. You know, there was that oneness of heart within 5,000 people. That heart was used to describe the Hebraic kind of unity, that looking out for one another knowing one another, taking off your mask or whatever uh, fig leaf or whatever else you've chosen to hide behind. It's that being real with one another. It's that when I can go to my friend and say, I'm having this, this trouble with teenagers. And they say, well, how about this? When I say I've got this joy with teenagers, because we know they're both, they can say, well, we've been there too. It's about having all generations together. Our our children, our teens, our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s, and hopefully we'll get some 90s one day. Um, We can see us all being together, exhibiting the God colors, the glory of his presence together as we build a community that's on the heart of God. So how can you respond to this message today? 
How can you say yes to God? Well, firstly, I want you to know that if you have areas in your life of unforgiveness, where you're holding unforgiveness to others, or you don't feel like you're forgiven, I want you today to know that God himself forgives you. And I'll lead you in a prayer in a moment where you can receive the forgiveness of God. I hear you. Oh, but my sin wasn't that bad. It was only a, there wasn't really a grading for sin in the Bible, was there? So whatever thing you need to be forgiven for, I want to offer that to you. And for those of you this morning who might have been listening to the great joy in the city and you've been hearing about joy and yet all you can feel is the mourning that you're in. I want to encourage you with a verse from Isaiah 61 and it says that there is a great divine exchange. In verse 2, it says, for it's, it's time to, to proclaim the year of God's favor to grant all those who mourn in Zion and to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness, instead of mourning, the garment of joy. So for those of you who've been hearing about joy, but yet there's ashes, I believe that today is a day for divine exchange. And then finally, I just want to encourage you to come for ministry. If you've been those who've been holding on to an unwrapped gift of the Spirit, today is the day for you to unwrap what God has given you to put it into action so that you can do the works of ministry that God has asked for you to do. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed by it. You can stay connected with all that God is doing here and be resourced by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, following us on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Revival Fires, giving and sowing into the ministry at our website, www.revivalfires.org.uk.